Almost exactly one year ago, just before the entire world shut down, a team of us managed to travel to Lebanon and back. We went to visit Pastor Muhammad, entire church, and see the awesome kingdom work they are doing with the thousand lighthouses there. I had never been to the Middle East. Wow, this place was just incredible. There's something really beautiful about going to another country, a different culture. It's really good for us. In fact, spiritual formation can take place in really unique ways when we leave our familiar comforts of home and go see how other believers on the other side of the globe follow Jesus. Ethiopia, Bokias, Haiti, Lebanon, these places can shape us in ways that a sermon or a worship service or a leadership conference cannot. Talk to anyone who's ever gone on these trips. That's why we think that's so important. So many things grabbed hold of me and my heart while we were in Lebanon. To walk where Jesus walked. To see the Jordan River where he was baptized. To just be immersed in this culture that was so familiar to Christ. There's something very different about the definition of family in the culture of the Middle East. Here in America, for instance, family night is a thing we do, right? That's a thing where you like order pizza and you like watch a movie or play a board game or go play mini golf. And here in America, when we think family night, we think like a mom or a dad, a couple of kids, this nuclear family at home. In the Middle East, it, it just is such a bigger thing. We were invited into various different homes while we were there. And I was just blown away at the multiple generations living together. Aunts and uncles, grandparents and cousins, sleeping on floors, sharing kitchens. The typical family unit in Middle Eastern culture is much bigger than our typical family units here in America. I was really moved by that, their care and responsibility for each other. And I could picture Jesus' life, and I could see how he was likely raised with this perspective all around him. Jesus was always using familial references. He was always reframing what we think we know to be family. He always seemed to be inviting more and more people into the family unit. He was always pursuing relational connection with others, making it personal, inviting people out on the fringe into the family of God. A sense of family and being well related to one another was God's design from the very beginning of time. A lack of relationship is the very first human problem that God addressed. In the Garden of Eden, God considered Adam's loneliness and created Eve as his companion. And the very first family began. We began this final Words from the Cross series with Jesus' completely divine words, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Divine words because only the Son of God, Jesus Christ crucified, can take on our sin and present us to our Heavenly Father as blameless. Jesus' willingness to take our place is what allows God to forgive us. Divine intervention. Last week, we looked at yet another divine, God-like moment when Jesus spoke some final words to the thief dying next to him. 
today you will be with me in paradise. Only God can command our eternity. And through Jesus, God displayed this ability right up until Jesus' final breaths. Divine destiny. This morning, we will look at the Gospel of John's account of some last words of Jesus where he seems to take this turn from saying things that represent these hugely divine acts of God to a much more just plain human thing to say when Jesus addresses a specific relationship. Let's look at John chapter 19, verse 25, and these words of Jesus. Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold, your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold, your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his home. Up until Jesus' very last moments, he was sure to speak to some family members regarding their relationship to one another. And I love what Kyle said as we started this series two weeks ago, when he invited us to allow ourselves to hear and experience these words of Jesus each week, to sense their weight and wrestle with what they mean for us, to resist the temptation to just be an observer asking God to give us eyes to see our part in the story. What was finished on the cross marks a new beginning for you and I. I think we're going to realize it was meant to mark a new beginning for our relationships and how we view this thing called family. So there are not many specific people mentioned as being nearby at the time of Jesus' death. We know there were soldiers, some followers and relatives, some obvious enemies. But John tells us here there are just a few women, several of whom are named Mary, which can be confusing, and himself present in these final moments. Have you ever wondered about who wasn't there? Like who's not mentioned here? Like where was Joseph, Jesus' father? It's likely he's already passed away at this point. That would explain his absence. Jesus' brothers' absences are notable. It could have been they did not yet believe their brother was the son of God. Where were the other disciples? We aren't sure. But we do know this. While dying, breathing his final breaths as a human on this earth, Jesus focused in on just two of these people who were present at the time. John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, and Mary, the mother of Jesus. This image depicts these two looking up at the crucified Jesus. John is the author of this gospel, a faithful disciple of Jesus, seemingly the most devoted here, is the only disciple present with Jesus to the end. John, the apostle of love, was the only one of the twelve who stood near the cross and witnessed the crucifixion. Then we have Mary, Jesus' mother. Oh Mary, what a journey your life has been leading you to this dreadful moment. Did she know as she stood there looking up at her dying son that this was the way of the strange glory 
by which he would conquer sin and death? We don't know. We do know that her life changed forever as a teenager with her very first yes in response to the angel Gabriel telling her she would conceive and give birth to the Son of God. And we see her here in this moment, 30-something years later, responding with the final yes we are aware of, choosing to be by Jesus' side until the end, total availability to God. For this mother, between these two yeses, is a lifetime of humanity and divinity combined. Think about Mary as just a plain old mom for a minute. Seeing a totally human Jesus' eye color and maybe even his nose match her own. Potty training. First tiny human steps. Kisses on bruised, seemingly totally human little knees. That utterly human and completely terrifying feeling that mothers experience when they realize their child has wandered off or can't immediately be found. Wave of relief as Jesus is found in the temple, only 12 years old, dazzling the elders with his knowledge. Fear that Jesus had actually gone mad as he began his formal ministry as a grown man, keeping company with sinners and challenging the religious leaders by always pushing that invitation to be a part of the family of God out further and further. Then at some point, Mary witnesses a completely divine act by her seemingly human son as he performs his first miracle. And she seems to have settled somewhat into the mystery of his divinity mashed up with his humanity at this point, at the wedding of Cana, when Jesus turned water into wine for a family's wedding party. Because here at this wedding, the beginning of a brand new family, we have the last recorded words of Mary in the New Testament. She tells the servants at the wedding, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. Now here at the foot of her son's cross, don't you know she wished for him to call an all-divine authority to end this right now, to stop the entirely human suffering of his death? Jesus, fully aware of what is being divinely accomplished for all mankind by God through him in these final moments is sure to address relationship and a new family is declared. It's in this end we find our beginning. Jesus says to Mary, woman, behold your son. And to John, behold your mother. First of all, it feels important to point out that Jesus wasn't being disrespectful by calling his mother woman. It could sound like that to us in the way we use our language. But in Hebrew, it showed great respect. It's like saying madame or missus. And then there's this beautiful word, behold. Behold means to fix the eyes upon, to see with attention, to observe with care. It also carries with it this posture of being fully engaged with what is being said, as if Jesus is asking them to pay close attention and listen carefully. But then there is no specific direction given to either Mary or John beyond this. Fix your eyes on each other. Behold. 
see each other with attention and care. You're family now. I'm redefining family for you. I want you to see each other the way I see each of you. Jesus, while taking his last agonizing breaths, beholds his mother and the disciple whom he loved and charges them to behold each other. A perfectly human thing for a son to do. Look after the care of his mother after he's gone. Our hope each week in this series is to get us all to a place where we are not observing Jesus' death from afar, but that we are pulled into this story because it is our story that we might see ourselves there. Could we find in this one word, behold, a new beginning for us and the way we relate to one another? As Jesus does what he can to ensure his mother is cared for as he leaves this world in a much larger sense, he's leaving a model for us. As broken as we are, we are so capable of loving each other in the most profound and powerful ways. But as profound as this love can be, it is very simple. Behold each other. And our tendency as broken humans is to complicate that simplicity. Jesus didn't need to share anything specific to John and Mary. All he did was declare the new relationship. He redefined what them being in relationship meant. He called out what mattered most. See each other with care and attention. And he knew the rest would follow as it should. Could it be that this moment that seems just so very human, a dying son making sure his mother is cared for, could it be that this is actually one of the most divine things Jesus says in his final moments? As Jesus' life took the place of ours, he reconciled mankind to God, and he reconciled mankind to himself. We're standing at the foot of the cross, and our Jesus is dying for us. And in his last breath, he is saying, Behold, this end is your beginning, because I am redefining relationship and what you think is family. It's going to change everything if you will embrace this. You thought your sins were unforgivable? I'm taking them away as far as the east is from the west. I forgive you. Now you need to forgive yourself. You're one with God your relationship with him, reconciled and redefined. You thought you were abandoned and alone? I give you each other. See each other with new eyes. Behold your family now. Accept one another. Care for one another. You don't have to earn this from each other. Give it as freely as I do. Relationship with each other, redefined. The space between us and others is now much more than merely human. It is divine. It is much more than friends and fellowship. It is family. And all Jesus needed to do with that space was declare the new relationship. And the rest should follow. Reconciliation with God and with one another is the essence of the gospel. It is God's plan. It is the very good news for everyone. This is exactly what Peter was talking about in the first Peter series that we just did. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. As we stand here together on Golgotha, 
where this end births our beginning. It is the cross that binds John and Mary. It is the cross that binds our Savior to us. It is the cross that binds us to each other. Here we are invited into a new way of living, fixing our eyes with attention outwardly, not just inwardly, beholding one another and beholding the cross and how Jesus redefined our relationships by submitting to dying on it. Just as Jesus gave Mary a new identity as John's mother and John a new identity as Mary's son, so he gives us a new identity. That's what he does all the time for his followers. He makes us a family with God as our father and each other as brothers and sisters. Through his lonely act of sacrifice on the cross, he overcame human loneliness and estrangement in a way that no one else ever could. A fully human act and a fully divine act. We were designed for relationships from the very beginning. And when we are well related to one another, simply beholding, seeing one another with attention, we walk in the power of God's kingdom here on earth, and we are fully human and beautifully divine witnesses to the people around us. It's worth noting that John does not mention his own biological mother by her name, Salome, as being nearby when Jesus died. So it's easy for us to overlook that she was there. John's mother was the sister of Mary, which is how John refers to her. The mother of the Zebedee sons, which is how Matthew's account refers to her. It's one of the first things that jumped off the page at me when I read about this moment. John's mother was there when Jesus said this from the cross. The typical relationship between a living mother and a capable son was already represented. The pre-existing, established, insider relationship was accounted for. But Jesus asks that that relationship net be cast out further. This makes me think of a scene that Matthew records sometime before we find Jesus on the cross. Jesus was casting the relationship net out a little too wide. He was making the religious leaders who knew and followed all the rules of engagement uncomfortable. And they questioned what he was modeling. Jesus, overhearing, shot back. Who needs a doctor? The healthy or the sick? Go figure out what the scripture means. I'm after mercy, not religion. I'm here to invite outsiders, not coddle insiders. Jesus is still casting that relationship net out wide, much wider than we may sometimes be comfortable with. May we behold each other as fellow believers, but let's not coddle each other and get so comfortable with our established insider relationships that we fail to go out there to the marginalized. Those whose secure and typical relationships are not as common or easy to see. This is what Jesus is asking us to do. Accept this revolutionary change in our established relationships with our fellow believers and as we engage in new relationships with, with others. This is what Jesus' death on the cross did for Mary and John. And his death did it for all mankind as well. Relationship 
redefined, a new beginning, a new family, where established human law is blown wide open by divine, all-consuming love and acceptance, where we are all on the same level, eye to eye, at the foot of the cross. Jesus turns that cross into a table, and he turns us into a redefined family with only one requirement to establish your secure place. Have a need. It's that simple. You recognize a need for Jesus, here's your seat. That's all Jesus requires. Sometimes we complicate this, and we require much more of ourselves or of others And we fail at beholding each other. And we muddy that divine space between us. We don't think think that others have the right need. Or they don't come to the realization we think they should at the right time. Or maybe some people's presence at the table just makes us flat out uncomfortable. We're not sure the net of the good news should be cast out that far. We don't see the family resemblance. When we do that... We snuff out the work of the Spirit in the lives of people around us, and we snuff out the work of the Spirit in our own lives. Behold, listen carefully, pay attention. Jesus is asking us to just see each other with care and concern and mercy. Can we listen to him this morning? Can we see ourselves there as John or as Mary? Can we wrestle with what this might mean for us personally? We're going to take communion this morning. It's such a fitting scripture to pair with communion. If you didn't get the elements on your way in, you'll be able to find them in the back in just a moment. Before we move into our time of communion, I would like to invite you guys to stand with me and join me in a congregational prayer that we're going to read together. And after our prayer together, we'll begin communion and the table will be open. It's not our table. It's our Father's table. He says that everyone is welcome. But before you actually take the elements, I invite you to sit with God for just a few moments. Ask the Spirit to draw out what needs to be revealed to you. Who do you need to behold? Who is, asking, who is God asking you to see with care and concern? Maybe it's an actual family member. Maybe it's someone more on the fringe of your life. A neighbor, a coworker, someone whose political stance you don't care for, someone whose sexuality you don't understand, someone whose spiritual beliefs you don't agree with. Here at the foot of the cross, between John and Mary, this word behold is placed. As you interact with the Spirit, might we bring that word to bear here as we consider what relationships Jesus is redefining for us. Then as you feel led and are ready, I invite everyone to take communion this morning, reflecting on these final words that Jesus spoke from the cross and what he is saying to you now through them. Let's begin with this congregational prayer read aloud together. Father, help us to welcome all people to the festive banquet of your table. 
where we rejoice in your love and celebrate the inheritance you have given us. Help us to be hands and feet of your unconditional love to this world. Thank you for the new definition of family you've given us from the cross. We embrace that our individual lives and stories are woven together by a shared thread in you. Amen. Let's sing and then as you feel led.